I don't know if you've noticed that the pollen is out. If anyone else has noticed that, my throat is noticing that. And so I'm sure you are too, your eyes and your throat and everything else. So um, bear with me as I wash down whatever's in there from being out there. So... Next week, I'm going to begin a series, a three-part series that's focused on healing and connected to Pentecost and connected to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to make our way through that. But tonight, or today, I should say, I'm going to share with you my 20th State of the Church message of sharing with this congregation. I need to tell you, it's been quite a journey from the time in 2002 when Kathleen and I um, prayed over a decision that we never would have anticipated, and, um, and it's been a journey that God has met us on all along the way. And so I want to share with you my thoughts and my heart on the state of the church, and when you leave today... There will be a packet available for you of all the reports from everyone um, who is involved in ministry leadership. And I would really encourage you to grab a copy and um, take one and then um, read it. And I'll talk a little bit more about it. Tonight, we'll be having our annual finance meeting at 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. And so you're invited to be part of that, too, as Bill Ogden um, presents our financial report. And so we'll invite you to be there at 6 p.m. But this morning, I would invite you to look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. It's a story that's tucked into one of the historical books of the Old Testament where we find the great prophet Elisha is in a quandary. He has been a thorn in the side of the murderous king of Aram. He, he, he predicts the movements, the military movements of the king and thwarts all of his efforts. But finally, the king has him trapped in Dothan. And he comes and it tells us in this inscription, in verse 14, that he sends horses and chariots and a strong force there and they went by night and they surrounded the city. The following morning, Elisha's servant, wakes up, and in my imagination, he's in his tent, and he stretches out his arms, and then he walks out, and there he sees, as verse 15 tells us, an army surrounding the city. And he says, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Have you ever said that? Lord, what do I do? Well, the Aramean army looms large like a cloud of the impossible in the storm of the insurmountable. But the servant did not see the whole picture. In these times we live in, it is easy to see the challenges that circle us and not see the whole picture. The challenges are real. We live in this, for an overused term, post-pandemic world, two and a half years later. In this post-pandemic world, the world is fractured. Our country is fractured. And the church is fractured in many ways, the church in America. Much like even everyday relationships of friends and families. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people about the fracturing of relationships. The uncertainty of the world stage presses in upon us. 
We feel the weight of it each and every day with the next drop of the news. Mass shooting the other day. Further developments in Ukraine. All these things weigh on us. And they raise levels of anxiety and concern. And the question of the place of the church in our lives and in our culture is somewhat debated in these days. The last year plus, but let's just say the last year has been hard. That's the most honest way to say it. I, it was hard in many aspects of the personal lives of people. I have spoken to more people about loss and about pain and about difficulty than ever, it seems, in one year of ministry, facing all kinds of struggles and changes. It was also hard as a church family as we sought to navigate a pandemic, which none of us, by the way, have ever done, with love and grace in all of those challenges. It was hard for church leaders as they sought to discern and make hard decisions about COVID protocols and financial challenges and the complexity and the cost and the exhaustion of an aging facility. But remember, we do not see the whole picture. The servant's question is the question we ask. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? But in his honest expression of need, God meets him through the prophet. And the prophet says this, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha asks that God would open the servant's eyes, and we read these famous words. Even a movie is named after them. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Elisha. I'm going to share a lot of information this morning, but if you get anything, get this. When we do not see how the God of the universe is present and operating, it does not mean that the God of the universe is not present and operating. That's true of your life and my life, that's true of the church. That's true of the world. Because there's places in my own personal life where I just don't see the God of the universe operating. But that does not mean that the God of the universe is not operating. That's the truth I really want to hold up and hold out and hold on to. Especially as we look at hard places where it's hard to see His hand. And there we need to ask, what is God doing that we do not see? And how can we join him? What is God calling us to now? Well, let's talk about, honestly, about some hard places. Let's talk about financial stress and facility exhaustion. Tonight, Bill Ogden will report the fiscal year did not turn in the direction he had hoped, or we had hoped. At the mid-year report, it was highlighted we were below budget and income and facing significant facility expense pressure. What was not expected was the downturn of the second half, and the question is why? Well, obviously, the extended pandemic-related challenges of January and February contributed, and the truth is, as the fi one finance team member said, the church is an ecosystem where so much is interdependent, and that includes our giving and our gathering. A few households of regularly committed tithing families moved out of the area. They don't have to live here anymore. They moved to another part of the country to work. Some transitioned to other churches. 
and the current inflation conditions have no doubt impacted the ability of some to give. Like other organizations, our facility costs are not decreasing, they're increasing. The building and grounds costs this past year were over budget due to a number of things, but including the breakdown of sore lines in the back, the necessity of repair for the 25-year-old fire suppression system, and the aging HVA system, among other things. A few months ago, I asked the church board, is saving the building our greatest concern? Is that our mission? Maybe we need to ask this, what we asked last year, what is the role of our facility? Or maybe, how is it an asset to the world? The reality is, as this facility continues to age out in different areas, we need to ask, what is God doing here? It's one hard place. Another place I'd like to share is about a congregational concern for children and youth. Since the start of the pandemic, we have sought to maintain our children's and youth ministry. Over the course of the last year, I explored several possible candidates for the family youth pastor role. Though one couple had potential, we discerned it was not the best fit and had to ask, okay, God, what are you doing? What is God doing where we do not see? Well, let me give you part of the answer to that question. In the midst of this, there have been folks who have stepped up sacrificially and laid it down for the next generation as best they could. Mary Hardwick has done an extraordinary job in finding creative ways to keep our kids connected, providing online resources and opportunities to families, and recreating our on-site program in different ways. Thanks to a donation from Erlab and the invaluable help of Jesse Quero, we were able to install a filtering system in the youth center that not only allowed us to safely gather with the teens in the pandemic, but also improve the overall health and well-being of that space over the long haul. But here's where you really see it. It is with the youth team and their sacrificial time and talent, and most of all, their devotion to God and to those teens, their love for God and their love of teens that has made a difference. Carrie Mertens, Jamie Pitton, Joe DiLoretto, Alfio and Nancy Bonatti have laid it down every Wednesday night, making space in their lives to hand it to the next generation. Angela DeRussia and Heather Scalera are trying to serve as parents in support with NYC. Angela's caring for that. Heather Scalera set up that table today to make sure our teens are affirmed. Please affirm our youth in those books. Thanks be to God for them. Amen? But this is not a concern for a few. This is a congregational concern. Ask yourself this question. Just ask yourself, who was there for me when I was trying to figure out the faith? Who was there for you when you were trying to figure out the faith? All of us have benefited from a person or persons. Now ask yourself, who am I there for? Maybe a better question. What student am I there for? Now, I've had people say this to me, and, and this is not pointing fingers at anyone, sometimes pointing it at myself, quite frankly, because I'm not so sure I feel well-equipped in these areas. But I've had people say this, I do not feel called to youth. Children are not my thing. Well, you know what? There were times when Kathleen was taking care of the kids, and I went, children are not my thing. You do that. 
But what if you are the person that one day a student will describe as they were there for me. They were there for me. It took people outside of my biological family to give me the gospel and to nurture me. It took people who had nothing really in common with me or thought they didn't to just show up in my life. They were there for me. What if someone at the end of their life points to you and says, and there's names going through my mind right now, they were there for me. My friends, it doesn't require theologically trained and pastorally certified adults to make the greatest difference in the lives of students. Just adults being present, offering what they have themselves as followers of Jesus. As a congregational concern, though, it does contribute to the question of budget. With our current level of giving, we're not able to fund that pastor position. However, that does not remove the congregational concern and presents a critical, critical question. What is God saying to us? The church board, in recognition of this, has tried to create a two-pronged approach to the budget. One, operational, recognizing some of the financial stress we're under, and one, aspirational, including a line item for a youth pastor, a family pastor item, in the event that God would work. Because why did they do that? Here's why. Because they see, we see, we do not see the whole picture that God is already doing and desires to do great things among our children and youth. And that deserves our best. It really does. Because at the end of the day, we like to say the church, the youth and those children are the church of the future. That's a myth. The children, the youth, and the young adults are the church of today. If we, who are not children, youth, and young adults, do not lay it down for them, then we don't have to worry about it because there won't be a church of the future. So please hear me in this. Hear my heart in this. Um, this is probably one of the few things, not, not a lot keeps me awake at night. You can ask Kathleen that question. This is one of those things that has kept me up in the middle of the night. Carry that burden with me. Ask yourself today, what is God saying to me? You see, hiring a staff member for this purpose is not a panacea to a congregational concern. It is the collective adult presence, influence, and investment that makes the difference. And so pray and ask, what is God doing that we do not see? And then ask this, where is God inviting us or me to a new level of care for and handing the faith to the next generation? How are you going to hand the faith to the next generation? And maybe the oldest among us, especially with our children, have something to offer to them. We, you know what we have that they don't have? We have wisdom. We have experience. And you know what? You have something to offer them. So I want to invite you to consider that today. Third hard thing I want us to see. Remember the, the servant looked out. All he saw was the army. And he said, what should we do? The gathering lag. You have heard it many times. 
this past year. We have been seeking the highest and best good for our church and community. Perhaps you're weary of hearing that. (laughs) But in discerning decisions and protocols and guidelines, that alone was our guide. Was it done perfectly? I'll be the first one to step in line and say no. Was it done faithfully? I'd be the first one to step in line and say yes. You see, the biblical definition of love is just that. It's seeking the highest and best good at the cost of personal sacrifice, especially for the most vulnerable. That's how it's defined in the Bible. That's how God defined it. 1 John 4, 9, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. This is how God showed his love. He sacrificed. But now we have moved to a renewed place of gathering, and some things can only be found, as that board member said, in the ecosystem of God's gathered people. We will maintain our online presence. Hello, folks in Facebook world. We're going to do that for now. It's been effective. It's been helpful for many people. It's been a benefit. But let me just be pretty clear. There really is no such thing as online church. There's really no such thing as online church. There's a tool, there's an opportunity, there's a piece we can use. But church, church is a contact sport. I don't know if you watched the Bruins game last night, but those guys have lots of contact. Right? That's really what church is like except for dropping the gloves and fighting, right? But it's contact. Tishwar Harrison Warren recently wrote this. People need physical touch and interaction. We need to connect with other human beings through our bodies, through the ordinary vulnerability of looking into their eyes, hearing their voice, sharing their space, their smells, their presence. So yes, it's time to gather. Over these couple of years, there's been this amazing core group of people who have served in an ongoing servant posture in being present to help. Greeters and ushers and adults for those teens and children and journey group leaders and others serving. Some people showing up when you didn't know it just here to clean the whole space just because they cared about you. Some people making sure that things were in the best way they could be for you and for me. Laying it down for us. My question is, is how is God calling me to serve his people at Community Chapel for his purposes of gathering? How is God calling me to get outside of myself and to serve one another? This morning I read from John 13. It reminded me, it says, Jesus said the greatest commandment is love one another. And then he says this, he says, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples. It's how you love one another. If we want to put the world on notice about Jesus, it's how we love one another in the body of Christ, how we love one another here. How am I going to do that better? How am I going to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit in putting others ahead of myself? That's what Jesus is saying. And so let's ask the question again. What is God doing that we do not yet see? Those are some hard places. But what about those chariots of fire? What about the chariots of fire? Well, in his new book, The Discerning Life, which our church board has, been, has received, Steve Machia invites us to be noticing everywhere, every day, and in everything, the loving presence, power, peace, and purposes of God. 
God is with us. He desires to be noticed. You see, that was the gift of Elisha's servant given to him. The fact that he did not see the chariots of fire was not an indication that they were not there. They were there all along. He just needed some help in seeing those chariots of fire. For the most part, chariots of fire for us, they're not, they're not fantastical revelations or experiences with God. For most of us, the chariots of fire are people, people who are faithful, people in our lives. I want to share with you some chariots of fire. The last two years has been written about, recorded. If you, if you haven't read the most recent, or maybe it was one issue ago, of uh, Christianity Today, I would invite you to read it. And on the front cover, it talks about um, pastors, um, pulpits that are full, but pastors that are empty. Talking about the impact to the church and lives. It's been tough for everybody at every turn. But there's some people that are chariots of fire, man. Lighten it up. And I, I don't have time to go through that list of people. But let me share with you some. It's been tough in ministry for every pastor and church I know. I sat with a pastor this week talking through the losses in their church and his faithfulness, committed faithfulness to this church no matter what. That's been the story I've heard over and over and over. Our staff has functioned under significant stressors. But in the midst of it, they have been chariots of fire for us and for me personally. Pastor Mary DiLoretto serves as our associate pastor, lead associate pastor. Over the last two years, she has sought to give herself to the passion of her calling, of loving those who are on the margins, of reaching those who are lost in addiction, of counseling those who are in grief, at the same time shouldering the weight of the complexities of facilities and operations, which are phenomenally complex and getting more complex. And then Pastor Shirley Kaltenbach is our unpaid, on-call pastor and NCLC pastor. You know who Pastor Shirley is? She's the one who in the middle of the night, when you have an emergency and we have an on-call system and you call the church office and it's going to send your voicemail to someone in the middle of the night, she's the one who's going to pick up the phone and call you and you're going to hear her voice. And she's going to discern what the need is and determine whether I need to be called or someone else needs to be called to make sure that you're cared for in the middle of the night. That's who she is. Pastor Fern Woodruff has now come alongside as our unpaid sages pastor. What I love about Pastor Fern is she has a chaplain's heart and chaplain's training. But here's what I really love about her. She has a burden for the church to be in the world today. She wants to see the church impact the world today. And I appreciate that about her. In some ways, I think she's younger in her thinking about that than me. And I thank her for that. And then every week, we wind up Mary Hardwick. <laughs> we wind her up and off she goes. Serves as our part-time children's ministry coordinator. 
We have James Shetler, who's our part-time worship coordinator, offering his gifts to coordinating the various aspects of worship. Steve Russo, who manages the building as our custodial, uh, manages the complexities of this building as our custodian. Paula Coleman, who serves as our part-time bookkeeper. And she does so ensuring that our very complex financial component is handled with integrity. Another area that's getting more complex, not because of us, but because of the requirements that are placed upon us. But she does that with great integrity. These folks have been the presence of God to many. Now, I'm going to ask you to make sure you read their reports. Read their reports, and you'll see what I see. You'll see this chari these chariots of fire that are in them. And then do this. Why don't you write them a note saying thank you? Just write them a note. Before you call the office and tell them you need something, just write them a note. And just say thank you. Because they are putting it down for God's kingdom and this church. And then there's Pam Ogden. Pam has served with us for almost 19 years, part of that time in volunteer position and then in paid position. She just retired as the lead administrative assistant of our church. She will be missed. She has um, um, cared for us. Um, she's had a commitment to caring for the administrative details, but we celebrate this new chapter in her life. And as she told me, she isn't going anywhere, so it'll be great to see her when she gathers with us in worship because she's not going anywhere. But with Pam's new chapter begins a new chapter for our church as we welcome Connie Wu Meyer. Connie brings with her extensive experience in church administration, and we welcome Connie. Make sure you welcome her when you give a call or if you stop by the church office. Chariots of Fire. Here's another one. A very committed group of adults involved in discipleship through online and regathered journey groups is evidence of God's work. I watched a group this morning studying the book of Acts. I'll get back to that. In these settings, people are growing in their faith in God's word. How grateful I am for our discipleship team and their efforts in helping us to continue to try to be a growing church. We continue to find partners in our community. Our partnership with Penichuk Middle School has so grown that now when they have a need, we've been this year, we've been focusing on the food insecurity of children who are in school hungry with nothing to eat. And so we've been helping them through your Good Sam giving. We've been helping them to be able to have some food for these children so that they can study. Here's what's great. It used to be us calling them, hey, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Now they pick up the phone and call us and say, hey, we need your help. That's you in a place like Penichuk. We are exploring a new partnership. In fact, we're finalizing this new partnership with the Red Cross to serve as an emergency center for those forced out of their homes by catastrophic events. We have entered into partnerships with various groups, especially over the last two years. But let me encourage you, every time we send that kind of information in the newsletter, would you please act on that and do something about that and maybe get involved with that? Do, there was one event that happened to support teachers, and I went ahead and was a part of that. And here I was. I'll tell you what, there were like three teachers there at that part of that event. They were like rowdy. And I was like kind of meek because they were so rowdy, and I just held a sign saying, we love you guys. But you know what? That meant the world to those people dragging their lives into the school to serve our students. So every time we put something like that in the 
newsletter, I encourage you to participate in some way you could do that. In recent years, we've asked this question. This is a chariot of fire. We've asked this question. Is NCLC, Nashua Child Learning Center, our daycare, is NCLC serving as a true expression of the missional heart of Community Chapel, as it was in its very beginnings? Our NCLC board, led by Margaret Wander, and our church board wrestled with hard things and found their way to a new day in our daycare. So there was a task force that was composed of NCLC board members and church board members to ask this question and wrestle through it. And the Lord led in ways we did not expect to work to see some transition. This task force, Pastor Mary serves as a representative to the NCLC board, and them all worked together making a new direction possible. It resulted in a transition to a new director. Heather DeShane has been a longtime employee of NCLC, but she took the reins, as she was the assistant director, she took the reins in September on an interim basis as our director, and then on a full-time basis in March, she took over as a director. And I need to say this to you about Heather. Her vision for partnership with the church is undying. And it's amazing. And the commitment to the daycare as a kingdom expression has never been stronger. Never. So we're excited about that. And so you'd be praying for our daycare. And you know, if you ever wanted to come tour the daycare, and you call the daycare, now obviously we have some security measures. That's why we're a lockdown facility, because we have children here during the week. But if you ever want to come, you call the daycare, tell them who you are, a member of Community Chapel, and someone would give you a tour. We have a number of our children now from our congregation are in our daycare. And so we're excited about what God's doing. We have stirred with individuals in crisis through the Good Sam Fund, pastoral care and counseling, and other forms of support. You have supported people who are in crises confidentiality does not allow us for names and details to be disclosed, but be assured those people have seen chariots of fire of grace and compassion. I just need to say this about our church board members. They willingly, over this time of all the craziness, willingly extended their terms to serve. It's normally a three-year term, but we ended up going four years because in all of the crisis, we had to figure out how to keep rolling because it all was unfolding when we make those kind of transitions. They willingly did that. They met more times than I can count, and I am certain they met more times than they wanted to. <laughs> right? In fact, I need to tell you, at the start of the pandemic, we met every week for like months. And so they really put in some time seeking to stay committed to do the highest and best good for all. So these folks have given much time to shouldering the burdens that much, is un of, much, much of that is unseen. There's so many others I could talk about, and if I missed you, please know, we thank you for the ways in which you've served others. And you know what? The ways in which you're serving others that we don't know. We praise God for that. Words are inadequate to express my gratitude for the sabbatical you afforded me last summer. That was my first sabbatical in 30-plus years of ministry. In these days, in those days, I was grateful for a time just to be. I was just Jeff. 
Just be. And that was good. That was good for my heart. The church board's insistence and approval in the congregational grace was a place where I saw God's love and provision and I'm grateful for. And that And the greatest chariot of fire. I'm so grateful for the 40 years I've been married to one person who always looks for the chariots of fire. Always. Kathleen is constantly pointing out God's activity, even in her own physical suffering, disrupted circumstances, and her greatest sorrows. Her typical response is something like this. Well, God has something else in mind. And when I wake up each morning, it's pretty cool when you wake up to someone who smiles every morning. Happened this morning when I was leaving. And she just looked at me, smiled. Thank you, Kathleen, for being a person who sees what's happening on the hills. Couldn't imagine doing it without you. Verse 17 says, He looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. So let's look to the hills. I would like you to do this this morning, if you would. No pressure to do it, but I'm inviting you to do it. Take a connection card. They're in front of you or they're behind you. Just take a connection card from the chair in front of you this morning. Remember the question of the servant? The servant said this, Oh my Lord, what shall we do? Well, let's talk about what we should do. First of all, let's talk about a firm commitment to prayer. It seems like the pandemic has disrupted some of that rhythm for our church. Prayer is our lifeblood as the people of God. Our Sunday morning prayer group continues to meet at 945, and we would invite anyone to join in that. But if you have a group of interested people people interested in forming a prayer group, do so. Write on a connection card, prayer groups, and Bob LeMay is going to reach out to you, and we're going to coordinate a prayer group. If you want a prayer group in your home, or you're going to have a prayer group in the church, but we feel like that's a most critical need, and Bob's prepared to help coordinate that. So a firm commitment to prayer, a sacrificial commitment to serving. Here's a question we all need to ask. Where is it that God is calling me to serve? And when we say that, it's not served based off of even what I want or what I prefer. But where is God calling me to serve, to get outside of myself and serve? Well, here are some ways. If you're willing to give time to assisting the care of our grounds, please make note on a connection card. You can even just put BG for Building and Grounds. Jacob Guevara is going to be heading a new team for Building and Grounds support, and we'll connect you to Jacob. If you would be willing to be involved in reaching out to those who are unable to be present with us. Write that on the card. We'll be willing to meet, touch, communicate, contact people who can't be here. Let us know. If you'd be willing to serve in IT support or in worship support, especially worship technology and worship leadership and worship gathering, if you'd be willing to do that, write that down. What about welcoming ministry, being some of the first faces that people see? Mark it down on that card. If you're willing to step up in serving our next generation of students and children, please take a card and write your name on it. 
we'll train you in our ministry safe protocol, which we are a certified ministry safe church to make sure that our children are safe with the leaders they're part of and to make sure our leaders are equipped. And so please, if you'd like to be part of that, please put that down and we will um, connect you. And then how can you imagine serving our world right now? How can you imagine serving our world? In fact, why don't you write on a card, this is how I'm serving my world. Tell us how you're serving your world. We want to know. We want to know what God is doing outside of here. So use that card and, and help us know together how we are to serve. And then there's a renewed commitment to gathering. Yes, we do not have the level of gathering pre-pandemic, but rather than just create programs and then try to fill spaces, let's renew our vision of gathering as a worshiping community. Let's recognize this. A lot has been written about this lately. Let's recognize that going to church, gathering as the people of God, is not just another good option for my family's life portfolio. But rather, gathering is a place of learning to love one another as we worship the living God. And we find life in God together. Especially when we are not what we want each other to be. It's easy when we're all what we want each other to be. But when we're not what we want each other to be. The gathering. And then, what are we going to do? There's an honest commitment to growing. How are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? I want to encourage you to find a group to join in. The Sunday Morning Journey group is studying the book of Acts right now. The church on the move in the world. We have other groups that are currently continuing to meet online because that's actually allowing us to have more people present in those groups. Those, some of those things are going to be happening uh, physically. Sign up for that right on their journey groups, discipleship. A refocused commitment to global missions through Nazarene Missions. John Martin will be heading up our missions efforts as we once again begin to determine how we can partner with a broken world for the sake of the gospel. So if you're interested in that, mark it down. And then a sincere commitment to ask, how and where is God calling us to be an asset to the world? This past March, I went to visit my mother. And as I, as I was going to try to get there, I had lots of airport time. Thanks to the fact that every single flight was delayed. Every flight. So if you're getting on a plane anytime soon, lower your expectations. You're going to be late. Just plan for that, okay? But I had time to just think, and I was writing stuff down and... Um, Rather than ask, though, this is what came to my mind, these kind of questions. This question came to my mind. Rather than ask, what kind of church do I need now? What kind of church do I want now? What kind of church do I need now? The times demand us to ask, what kind of church does the world need now? During the New England District uh, Discipleship Conference in March, Michael Mata challenged the perspective we hold of the church. Rather than just seeing how the church benefits us as a place of some kind of spiritual Christian benefit center, he, he challenged us with this question that we need to ask, how is the church an asset for the world around us? How is the church an asset for the world around us? Now that changes how we measure doing church. From the old saying of Buck's, body, <clears throat> Buck's bodies and buildings to lives touched. And partnerships developed 
and efforts individually and collectively and outside these walls. I share something I said last year. What kind of witness will we be in our world today? That may not seem like a hard question about our future because most time we think about money and buildings and those kind of things, and those are hard questions. But the church in America is in a perilous place. It's in a perilous position. We are being torn by the many voices that call us to the extremes while causing us to lose sight of God's call for us to be his kingdom people. But in a world increasingly uninterested in a church that too often has misrepresented the message of the gospel as we see Jesus proclaiming it, what kind of people will we be? Can you join me in lowering our defensive postures and pray with me that we'd be the people of God the world needs. Scott McKnight wrote this, the church is designed to, to, by God to be a tov, which is the Hebrew term for good. Tov culture filled with empathy and compassion. The church is designed by God to wrap its arms around the poor, the oppressed, and the needy of this world because like Jesus, we want to alleviate their pain. I'd like you to consider that as we consider Community Chapel right now. How do we bring the asset of the kingdom within us to the world around us? An asset-based view calls us to look within for how we are to go out. How do we bring the assets of us to the world? The asset of the church isn't like some nebulous enterprise. It's you. It's me. We are the asset of the church. The temptation to answer that question is to fill it in with ideas and programs, some of which I've shared, but the real answer is you. You will answer the question. I will answer the question of what does it mean for the church to be an asset to the world. We will answer that question. The future of the church is not for it to provide the program that we want or the services that we prefer, but for, for us to first ask the question, what is God doing that we do not yet see? And the second question is, how will we join him there? I'm going to ask our worship team if they come at this time. And as they're coming, I want to go back to the beginning. And I want to assure you of this. Did you hear what I said at the start? The one thing I want you to take away more than anything is this. When we do not see how the God of the universe is present and operating, it does not mean he is not present and operating. When you do not see the God of the universe present and operating in your life, it does not mean that the God of the universe is not present and operating in your life. Look around. Look to the hills. Notice where God is. Name it. If you're like me, it's much easier for me to name what's not happening. You can ask my wife. It's much easier for me to name what's not happening. But let's look around and see what God is doing in our lives, in our church, in our world. Because remember, just because it's not obvious that the God of the universe it looks like he's not operating in present. Does not mean he's not operating in present. There's never a moment when divine love is not at work. There are chariots of fire on the hills and God is at work. 
May he give us eyes to see what he is doing. And then may we join him there. May we join him in what he is doing. He looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Pray with me towards that. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you.